shall I pray? I'm sure as Liv was reading that, you thought, hmm, hmm, all right. Let's try and get our heads around this. We need God's help. <coughs> so it's the end of our series in 1 John. So let's ask God that he would specifically help us now. Father, we ask, um, because even here, John says that when we pray, we know that you hear. Whatever we ask, we know that we have uh, what we asked of him. So, Father, we ask that you would open our minds, you'd help us to concentrate, you'd give us understanding into this truth. Father, that we would leave today, closing out this series in 1 John, with absolute assurance and certainty that you are who you say you are. You've done what your word says you've done through Christ and that we are indeed your children. And if we're not, please convict us today of sin and help us to ask for forgiveness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 19 says, We know that we are children of God. Do you? Do you know that you're a child of God? Those little, little cards, walking in the light, there's the series, there's the verse that we've been looking at, 1 John 1 verse 7, but if we walk in the light, do you know what it looks like to walk in the light? Six sermons, talks, we've done in 1 John a minute now with the person next to you. There's the question. What does it mean to walk in the light? What would your answer be from this sermon series? What does walking in the light look like? Uh, If you fancy it, turn to the person next to you. Go. If not, uh, just think, what would your answer be to walking in the light? What is it? What does it look like? Go for 90 seconds. Uh, Lovely. Okay, let's uh, bring those conversations to a close. Uh, Hopefully plenty of time.
uh, over refreshments later to continue that conversation. Let me take you back to chapter 1, verse 6. Let's read a few verses. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What does it mean, what does it look like to walk in the light? Remember John writes to his readers to give them assurance, not to try and put, uh, test them, not to try uh, and uh, test them in the answer to this question, not to try and catch them out, but to give them assurance so that they would know absolutely and exactly what it looks like to walk in the light from those few verses. It means fully exposed, like a searchlight. Fully exposed, you've been searched by God and now you've been found righteous in his eyes. Not because of yourself, not because of your hard work, not because of your ability, but because of the purifying work of the Lord Jesus. And that gives you an ability to walk, which means take proactive steps, not in the darkness. However, not to claim that we're now without sin, because we are, but confess our sin regularly. And his faithfulness and justice is the basis. Remember verse 9, we spent some time there. His faithfulness and justice because of the work of Jesus, Father punishing the Son for our sins, that's the basis on which we walk. John writes to give his readers full assurance. Readers mentioned it already. People and propaganda. John is passionate about his people. He loves them. He cares for them. As you read through 1 John, do you see those words, dear children? Dear children, come here, love you so much. And he writes against the propaganda of the false teachers for their claiming that Jesus is not who John and the other apostles have said who he is. John writes with deep care and John writes to warn from the teaching in the church. 2 verse 26, as we just take a little overview and wrap it up, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. All the way through, he's just been trying to pinpoint. This is exactly what the false teachers are saying. Now be careful. Here's the warning. How do we live and react against this teaching of the false teachers? And John gives answers the whole way through. And now we get to chapter Five. There are three questions that I'd love chapter 5 help us to answer. How do we know we really believe? How do you know that you really believe? Question one. Question two. How do we know it is really true? And question three. What if I still question what I believe. 
I think 1 John 5 helps us to answer those questions today. For us sitting in this small school hall in Vista. How do I know I really believe? How do I know it's really true? And what if I still question what I believe? Let's look at the first few verses of chapter 5. Let's look at verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone who believes, remember the question, how do we know we really believe? That's where John starts in chapter 5 as he concludes his whole book. Everyone who believes. John is saying, faith. How do you know what we really believe? It's all about faith. How do you define faith? I think in this world, this is what faith is. It's believing what you know isn't really true, but you desperately like it to be. I think we live in a world that defines faith like like that. You believe what you know isn't quite true, but you desperately would like it to be. Go to X Factor. You see those contestants. And then you see the family of the contestants, and they get through to the quarterfinals, oh no, that's the FA Cup, quarterfinals or semifinals and then finals. And you get the, uh, the, the family of the finalists saying, I knew it, I believed in you all the way. I had faith in you. For them just to crumble at the last hurdle. Is that faith? Believing what you know isn't quite true, but you desperately like it to be? What about skating? On a frozen lake. Have you ever jumped on a lake that's frozen? Hoping beyond hope that it would take your weight. And perhaps the world's definition of faith would go something like this. My friend Nathan and I were standing on the shore. And Nathan's going, go on Lanks. Just really believe that it will hold your weight. Go on, Nath, great definition of faith, thank you. I'm going to really believe that this holds my weight. And I step onto the ice. Is that faith? Is it the amount of faith I have? Or is it the object in which that faith is in? You see, we're not talking about X Factor, we're not talking about frozen lakes. We're talking about faith which leads to eternal life. How strong is your faith? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Or, how strong is the ice in which your faith lies? You see, the world says it's how much faith you have. I remember chatting to a friend. and His mother had cancer. And some other Christian friends were saying, you've just got to believe. You've got to believe that God can heal. You've got to have more faith. And I remember this friend was distraught. Does my mother's life depend upon how much faith I have? 
You see what John is saying here. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about where your faith lies. It's the object of your faith. Everyone who believes, what? That Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Eternal matters. So do you wonder if you believe enough? If your faith is strong enough? The New Testament drives you away from that introspection. It drives you away from the delusion that when I have X amount of faith, that's when everything that the Bible teaches is true for me. The New Testament says, no, no, no. Because do you know what that will do? It will turn the good news into a faith of performance. It will turn the good news of Jesus into a faith of works. How much I try, how much I read, how many church meetings I go to that continue to drive my faith forward. And the New Testament says, no, no, no. It's about responding to grace and mercy. That's what walking in the light is all about. John wants you and I, this afternoon, to see not how much faith you've got, but to see the ice, and to see the ice that can hold you. Verse 1, that is what my faith lies in. Jesus is the Christ. And it's that, that Jesus is the Christ, it's that that qualifies me. It's that that gives me new birth, is born of God. And then in the next few verses to the end of verse 5, John talks about some of those outward signs of faith that Jesus is the Christ. Let me read verses 2 to 5 again. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Look at verses 2 and 3. Here's some of the outward signs. We're obeying God's commandments. And God's greatest command is Jesus, when he was talking to many people as he walked the earth, said, this is the greatest command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind, and then to love your neighbour as yourself. And John says here, do you know to keep that command is not burdensome? Our love for God is shown in a way that pleases Him. Because we love Him. We act and respond and our external obedience is only a result of love for who He is and what He's done for us. It's not oppressive. It's not burdensome. Love for God and love for others, that's what comes out of understanding where your faith lies. One commentator of 1 John says this, the commandments of God are no more burdensome than wings are to a bird. They use them to fly. You see the commands of God? They're not oppressive. 
they are a way to enjoy our freedom. But I've got to be so careful, so careful that I do not make the commands of God to love Him and do things for Him and to love others and do things for others as a way of proving myself to Him. I've got to be so careful that I don't step into that idea of God's commands, that idea of loving Him and loving others. When I understand verse 1, Jesus is the Christ, and I understand chapter 1, confessing my sin and understanding what Christ has done, then I look at the commands that I'm now able to do, like wings to a bird. Purposeful, a joy, bring freedom. I hope you've enjoyed reading this book. As a church, we try and read uh, a book a term. We're going to go uh, through till the summer to read this because we started uh, a little bit late. In our growth groups, we've been picking them up, picking this book up and talking about chapters, reading, pushing, challenging each other. Let me read uh, two of these small chapters to us about obedience and about love for each other. Hopefully, they'll be familiar if you've read the book. To love God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength is the greatest commandment in the law. If I could simply fulfill this one commandment, I would gladly fulfill all others as a natural matter of course. So how can I come to love God with all of my being? The Bible teaches that genuine love in my heart for God is generated by an awareness of his love for me. And nowhere is the love of God more clearly revealed than in the gospel. Therefore, preaching the gospel to myself is a great way to keep God's amazing love before my eyes so that I might experience its power to produce in me a passionate love for him in return. Captured by his love in this way, my smitten heart increasingly burns to do his will and feasts itself on doing so. See that? Obedience to God. Joy. There's nothing that I can do to drill in me that says, come on, obey God better. Try harder. Be stronger. Love others around you. Come on. That extra bit of love. This book and John says, how can I come to love God with all of my being? A genuine love in my heart for God is generated by an awareness of his, his love for me. Nowhere is the love of God more clearly revealed than in the gospel. To obey God, to love God, to love each other. I'm really enjoying watching Town Church Bista get this. Love the stories, Friday night, and the women all hanging out, 13 or so of you, just chilling, pushing each other to talk, yeah, talk about life, because that's important, just to unravel in a bit further and go deeper, out of love for each other, enjoying listening to growth groups, to small groups, I'm enjoying the small things that you just hear uh, on the grapevine. Some of you in, in this room visiting John, knowing that he's poorly, knowing that he doesn't have family. That's what love is. And it's great to watch this in action.
It's great to see it. Look at verse 4. See, everyone born of God, everyone who gets the gospel, who's been transformed by the gospel, who out of the love shown for them, loves God and loves others. Look at this. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. The victory. See, the word victory there is Nike. Which means trainers and conquest. Perhaps the other way around in the order. It means conquest. The victory. Look what John is saying. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory. It's the conquest. The faith in which we put our confidence. What we believe is the source of our victory. No hostile power in the world can stop this. Because it's the victory that the Lord Jesus has over death, sin, the devil becomes our victory too, says John. So the external, the obedience and love for others shown out, that's the proof of our life lived out by faith. The proof of our life by faith in Jesus Christ. But beware of the externals. Beware of coming to town church and comparing yourself against others. What danger that is. Danger for me. God, heard how long they pray for. I see that girl there. She is a great Christian. See how many books she reads about the Christian faith. I see her, she's always loving others. I wish I could be more like her. Beware of the externals. When I compare myself to others, beware of those, of comparing yourself uh, to those who are at every church meeting, every prayer meeting. Good as that may be, very good. Don't make the meetings the ground of your assurance. What's going on inside? Verse 5 again. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, how do we know we really believe? It's on what you believe, not how much belief you have. How do we know it really is true? Look at some of the, uh, the confusing language here, the cryptic stuff. This is the hardest um, little section, I think, in 1 John. Look, it's written into the first century. And what the false teachers were saying, Jesus is not divine. That The Spirit came on him when he got baptised and it left him um, before he went to the cross. So he wasn't divine in his original status And he certainly wasn't at the end. And John's saying, no, there are three witnesses that make Jesus God, fully divine and fully human. And here are the three witnesses, water, 
blood and the spirit. At the baptism, when he was baptized in water, he came and God said, this is my son. Not that this is now my son, but this is my son. Here's the witness as he got baptized. He's fully God. And blood, the blood, the death on the cross, equally and eternally the son of God. How do we become reconciled to God? Unless he himself the one who had no sin, was punished for us. John's saying there are witnesses. Water, baptism, where God said, this is my son, and it always has been. Death. Jesus, the son of God, even unto death, the only one who was able to take the punishment that I deserve. Only God can forgive sins, and the Spirit is the truth taught by the apostles takes the Gospels to the nations. There's overwhelming evidence. I was away last weekend. I was in Bogota, Colombia. Oh joy. Being with people on the other side of the world who love Jesus. I then joined Johnny and Caroline in Orlando where there's a conference of people who love Jesus who are trying to make him known in the world of sport. Oh joy. To see that the nations have been reached with the Gospel from different tongues, nations, and yet joined together by the gospel of God. It's the Spirit that takes the gospel. Verse 9, whoever believes the Son of God has the testimony. Whoever does not believe is accusing God to be a liar. Look at the mark of reality that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. Faith then he's changing our lives to love, to obedience, to victory. And he wants us to know that, to be sure. Believing in the truth leads to eternal life, real life now. How do we know it's really true? It's not about how much I believe. It's not about what I want to believe. It's on the external fact. Where water, where Jesus got baptised, and his death, and the Spirit, they push me to believe because they've happened. And they're happening all over the world. Two questions we've done. How do we know we really believe? How do we know it really is true? The external evidence shows. But what if I still question what I believe. What about when I feel like a wave in the sea, tossed around, sometimes up, sometimes down, not sure I'm convinced that it's true. What do I do, drum up more faith in me? No. See what John does at the end of this letter. You think, John, just finish well. And all he does is remind, and he returns, and he pushes me to remember. So what about me if I still question what I believe? Here are three good R's. Remind, return, and remember. Verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know what he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Coming right back to chapter 1. Pushing us again to ask for things that he gives. Forgiveness of sins being one of them. 
in chapter 1. Reminding you, reminding me, reminding his readers that that's true from verse 16. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. And this little section here, what is John saying? Remember in chapter 1? Now in love to help others, to help others of the church in sin. To keep coming back to God. To confess sin. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. What's John saying there? The sin that denies that Jesus is the Son of God. That denies and walks in darkness. John is saying that sin leads to death. We know that. But... Anyone born of God does not continue to sin, to walk in sin. We've done this in chapter 1. And he keeps saying, you will be transformed. So walk in the light, in obedience, in faith. And verse 19, we know that we are children of God. That the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that we are children of God through what he's done. And we know we live in a time that is against us. That is against faith. See, John reminds, he returns, and he helps us to remember. Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. What if I still question what I believe? Will I? Yes. Will I regularly? Yes. Am I up and down like a wave in the sea? Yeah, often. What do I do? What does John say? Remind yourself what the gospel is. That's why we do this book. It's a gospel primer for Christians to keep returning to what is true. I remind myself I return to what I know is true and I remember who I am, a child of God cannot be taken away from me because the victory that is his is now mine. So this week when you question what you believe, remind yourself of what is true. Return to him and remember who you are. The three R's. Remind, return and remember. We're going to sing about glorying in our Redeemer, as we remind ourselves, as we return back to the Gospel, as we remember the truth, this song before we do just that with communion, we remind and return and remember. This song says, I will glory not in my faith, the amount of faith I have or the little faith I have, the object of my faith, what my faith is in. I will glory in my Redeemer. That's who I'm trusting. That's what my faith is in. So why don't we stand before we take communion together and get the little ones and do this as family uh, and sing this song full of truth.